Welcome to Illusions of Real Estate. I'm Audrey Murphy, your luxury home specialist located in Auburn, California. California DRE number 018-65349. My promise to you above all is to protect your interests. That means conducting our business with the highest level of integrity. Honest, open communication is critical to building trust with your agent and is essential to my business to fulfill my promise of clarity and helping my clients achieve their ultimate goal. This is not your typical podcast today. I'm going to discuss the California Residential Purchase Agreement, also known as the RPA. The RPA is the contractual document between the buyer and the seller and the most important document for buyers and sellers to understand. Most buyers never see the contract until the time comes to write an offer. As a professional agent, I like to go over the contract with the buyers and allow them time to read it through before I ever actually write the contract. The RPA underwent an entire overhaul in December of 2021, so even if you purchased a home a year ago, it is different today. Before I get started, please note that I have attached a sample contract to this podcast so that you can download it, read, and ask questions of your agent before being rushed to sign a contract on one of the largest purchases of your life. I will not be able to cover everything word for word due to the time constraints, but if you are not currently working with an agent, feel free to message me with any questions and I will be happy to answer them for you. Let's begin with the one document that allows you to write a complete contract to purchase your dream home, the California Residential Purchase Agreement. On page one, section one of the contract begins with the basic information, the date prepared, who the offer's from, and the property information to be acquired. If you are purchasing the property in the name of a trust or other entity, you will put the signer's names in this area, not the name of the trust or the name of the other entity. Sometimes there's more than one assessor's parcel number, also known as an APN, included in a sale. So it's very important to include every parcel number included with the sale. It's important to note the buyer and sellers are referred to as the parties. Broker and agents are not parties to this agreement. Paragraph 2 confirms the agency relationships. This will state what brokerage represents the buyer and the seller or if they are both being represented by the same brokerage. This section also refers to the two disclosures we mentioned in episode two, the disclosure regarding real estate agency relationships and the possible representation of more than one buyer or seller, disclosure and consent. Next, we're going to discuss the items on page one, two, and three. These are the items that cover the contractual terms of the agreement. If you notice next to each letter, section A through Q in paragraph three, there is a column showing paragraph number sections. These sections refer to the full explanation of each item and are found on pages 4 through 12. Let's begin with the contractual terms found under paragraph 3. A. The purchase price. This is the amount you want to offer for the home. If you are purchasing with cash, the box to the right must be checked. Upon checking the cash box, you are stating that no loan is needed and the agreement is not contingent on the buyer obtaining a loan. Your agent will run comps and give you a good idea of what homes are selling for in the area, but ultimately you, the buyer, will choose how much you want to offer. In a typical market, about 5% of the purchase price will be about how much the buyer really wants the home. B. Close of escrow. You can choose how many days after acceptance or choose an actual date you would like the home to close. If the day falls on a weekend or a holiday, close of escrow shall fall on the next day the recorder's office in that county is open. C expiration of offer. The offer submitted by default expires at 5 p.m. on the third calendar day. 
After all buyer signatures have been completed and dated, the offer shall be deemed revoked unless the offer is signed by the seller and delivered to the buyer's agent within this time frame. The seller has no obligation to respond to an offer made. D1 and 2. Initial and decreased deposit amounts. Typically, a buyer will put 1-3% to of the purchase price down as the initial deposit within three days after acceptance by wire transfer to the escrow holder chosen in item Q7. If you prefer a different method of paying this deposit, make sure you discuss it with your agent before signing so the appropriate box is checked. This deposit confirms your serious intent to buy the property and constitutes a good faith gesture that you will not continue shopping for other homes and the seller may reasonably expect to complete the sale. Don't worry, you are entitled to a full refund of the deposit if you and the seller agree to cancel the deal without incurring any third-party costs that require reimbursement. The increased deposit can be used as a negotiating tool based on each individual buyer's situation and current market. This is a great discussion for your agent. Not all contracts have an increased deposit. E. Loan Amounts 1 and 2 This first area discusses the type of loan, amount of the loan, percentage down, interest rate, and points the buyer is willing to pay to obtain their loan. Under additional terms, it automatically defaults to a conventional loan. If it is an FHA, VA, or seller financing, the appropriate box and supporting documents will need to be filled out. The second area is where you would put an additional finance amount, if applicable. E3, Occupancy. Occupancy may impact available financing. Rates and terms are different for primary residents, secondary homes, and investment properties. So be sure to clearly convey to your lender and agent how you will occupy the property. Finally, item F will show the purchase price minus the deposits. And please note, this is not the total due at closing. This only affects the purchase price. Now let's move on to page two. G1 and 2, Seller Credits and Additional Finance Terms. Any credit to buyers specified and agreed to by both parties in this paragraph must be disclosed to the lender. The lender will only allow a certain amount of contractual credit from the seller. If the amount is over the allowable credit, only the allowable credit will be used and there shall be no automatic adjustment to make up the difference. Make sure your agent calls your lender before filling in this amount so you are not giving away any money. H1, 2, and 3, verification of all cash, verification of down payment, and closing costs and verification of loan application should be sent in with the offer. I highly recommend an H3 to send a fully underwritten pre-approval with the offer to let the seller know all documents have been reviewed by your lender, the credit report has been ran, and reviewed by an underwriter. If this is not done, the second best option to provide is the pre-approval letter. It's also recommended to send in a copy of your bank statement showing you have the funds for the down payment and closing costs. This will need to be provided within three days if it is not sent in with the offer, but the more information you provide, the stronger your offer is received. Item J states that you are entitled to a final verification of condition of the property within five days prior to closing escrow. This is not a contingency of the sale, but solely to confirm the property has been maintained, Repairs have been completed as agreed, and the seller has complied with the seller's obligations under this agreement. K. Assignment Request The assignment of request states that a buyer may request to assign all the buyer's interest in the agreement to their trust or another entity. It may be possible to assign it to another party with written consent from the seller. Paragraph 23 goes into further detail of what you can and cannot do. 
Now on to section L, items one through seven. Here we have the list of contingencies which are part of the contract. What is a contingency? A contingency allows a buyer or seller to cancel a purchase agreement based upon the happening of a certain event. The default number of days for the home buyers to remove contingencies is 17 days. These time frames can be shortened, lengthened, waived, or removed. This is a critical negotiation area when competing against multiple buyers. You may forfeit your deposit listed on page one if you waive these contingencies when writing your offer. L8, sale of buyer's property. This contingency is used when a buyer is writing a contingent offer based on the sale of the buyer's property. This means their current property has not yet sold, may not even be listed, and shows the seller the buyer cannot complete the purchase until the proceeds are received from the sale of their home. Item M, possession. Section M1 discusses when a buyer can take possession of their new home. M2, if the property is seller-occupied or has vacant units and when the seller must be out of the home. If no other box is checked under time for performance, then the seller must be out by the close of escrow by the given time indicated in M1. And M3 includes tenant-occupied units, which also requires a separate addendum if checked. Section N, Documents, Fees, and Compliance, lists the time to perform for each item. N1 is specific to the seller on when they have to deliver their disclosures and any other documents to the buyer. N2, time frame of when both the buyer and seller must sign and return escrow holder provisions and instructions. N3 and 4 is the time frame when the seller must pay for fees when ordering HOA documents, install smoke alarms, carbon monoxide detectors, and complete the water heater bracing. And lastly, N5 specifies when the buyer and or seller shall also give evidence of representative authority as specified on page 15 in items 32 or 33. Moving on to page three. Section P1 and two is everything that is included or excluded in the sale. It's important to note here that just because it's listed in the MLS that certain items are included in the sale, they must be listed here to be considered binding and contractual. Section Q1 through 18, allocation of costs. This states what each party is paying for, buyer, seller, or both. If both is checked, each party will pay 50%. There are some blank areas that need to be filled in, such as what company will provide the natural hazard disclosure, who will handle the title and escrow of this purchase, what type of home warranty, and who will issue the home warranty along with a few other items. Section R, Other Terms, is a blank area to write in any additional terms. For example, an escalation clause, which is a clause stating the buyer is willing to pay so much over the highest offer not to exceed a certain dollar amount. For my cash deals only, where there is no lender involved, I've even written in a donkey, chickens, and other items. Lenders don't like to lend on donkeys and chickens, as you can just imagine. Page 4 begins paragraph 4, Property, Addenda, and Advisories. A, B, and C include additional addendums that may be required and attached to the RPA. This area will be discussed at the time of writing an offer on what type of addendum or advisory is going to be required. For example, If you're purchasing a home that is in a probate, a probate agreement purchase addendum will be required. If the home is a manufactured home, it will require a manufactured home purchase addendum, etc. A sample of other addendas would be if you're going to be in backup position for the purchase of a home, or if there is a septic well, property monument, or propane on the property. If a trust advisory is needed, the box under buyers and seller advisories will be checked. 
Your agent will check all the appropriate boxes needed at the time of writing the offer. Now, I will quickly cover paragraphs 5 through 31 found on pages 4 through 15 of the contract and take a little more time on areas where I feel it is needed. These are the paragraph numbers referred to in the terms listed in paragraph 3. Paragraph 5, additional terms affecting purchase price. The buyer represents that the funds will be good when deposited with the escrow holder. It goes on to discuss the initial deposit, increased deposit, and the retention of deposit. 5B, all cash offer discusses what it means to a seller and a buyer when purchasing a home, all cash. 5C loans goes into more detail than I did in paragraph 3E, but will reiterate amount finance, type of loan, and balance of the purchase price and the limits on credits to a buyer. Paragraph 6, additional financing terms, including verification of down payment and closing costs and verification of loan. Now on to page 5, we're almost there. Well, not really. 6C discusses buyer-stated financing. Paragraph 7, Closing and Possession, talks about occupancy, condition of property on closing, and discusses what happens when the seller is remaining in possession after close of escrow. Paragraph 8, Contingencies and Removal of Contingencies, talks about the loan, appraisal, investigation of property contingencies, and the review of seller documents, and talks about the title of the property. In addition, it states it is contingent on the review of the preliminary title review, common interests, leased or leaned items, and the consequences of removing contingencies or cancellation, including the sale of buyer's property. Paragraph 9, Items Included and Excluded from Sale. 9A, note to buyer and seller. 9B, items included in the sale. This indicates which existing items are automatically included in the sale. Some items, such as furniture and other items, should be dealt with outside of escrow due to the constraints of what is acceptable by the lender. It also refers to seller disclosures of leased or leaned items and systems. Page 7, 9C, items excluded from the sale. Certain items are listed excluded from the sale unless otherwise agreed upon in writing. Paragraph 10, Allocation of Costs. 10A, Inspections, Reports, and Certificates. This section reiterates that the responsible payee, as indicated in 3Q1, 2, 3, and 5, only determine who is paying for the inspection report, but also states it does not determine who is responsible for the recommended repairs and tells how the required work should be handled in a separate agreement. 10B, Governmental Requirements and Corrective Remedial Actions. Under this section, it points out what is legally required to be installed and the property improvements, how to handle point-of-sale requirements, and who will pay for reinspection fees. Information and advice on requirements state buyers and sellers are advised to seek information from knowledgeable sources regarding local and state mandates and whether or not they are point-of-sale requirements or requirements of ownership. It also discusses the home warranty and what happens if the warranty exceeds the amount allocated to the seller or what choices a buyer has if they waive the purchase of the home warranty at the time of offer. Paragraph 11 starts on page 7 and continues to the top of page 9. Get through two more pages. Statutory and other disclosures. This paragraph includes paragraphs A through M. There are statutory and other disclosures that the seller must provide to the buyer to complete a transaction. It also gives instructions as to what must be done if prior to close of escrow, seller becomes aware of adverse conditions materially affecting the property, that the seller shall in writing promptly provide a subsequent or amended transfer disclosure or seller property questionnaire. 11E clearly states that a buyer is prohibited by law 
from waiving a statutory disclosure specified in paragraphs 11, A, B, C, or D. F, returned of signed copies, states that the buyer must return signed copies of all disclosures as specified in 3L or after five days of delivery of a new disclosure by mail or email. G, termination of rights. This paragraph informs the buyer their rights to terminate if statutory or other disclosures are received after the offer is signed, including the defensible space compliance. H, withholding taxes. There are times the escrow holder must withhold taxes to comply with federal and state withholding laws. I and J have paragraphs and websites for buyers to check Megan's Law database and notice regarding gas and hazardous liquid transmission pipelines. These websites are so that you can see if there are any registered sex offenders or hazardous pipes running in the neighborhood. Your agent will not look this up for you, and I highly recommend each buyer to visit these sites. K. Condominium Planned Development. This section specifies what the seller shall disclose in the documents required to give to the buyer if the property is a condominium or in a planned development. L. Natural and Environmental Hazards. This disclosure is required by law and tells the buyer if it's in a high or very high fire area, flood hazard area, potential flooding, earthquake fault zone, along with many more hazards the home may be subject to. Page 9. Lastly, 11M, known material facts. The seller must disclose any material facts and defects affecting the property, including but not limited to known insurance claims within the last five years or provide the buyer with permission to contact the lender to get such information and disclose anything else required by law. Paragraph 12. Buyer's investigation of property and matters affecting the property. Buyer has the right to conduct inspections, investigations, tests, surveys, and other studies. However, without the seller's prior written consent, buyers shall neither make nor cause to be made invasive or destructive investigations except for minimally invasive testing required to prepare a pest control report, which shall not include holes or drilling through stucco or similar material. They may not do any inspections by any governmental building or zoning inspector or government employee unless required by law. Sellers shall make the property available for all buyer investigations and shall have water, gas, electricity, and all operable pilot lights on for buyer investigations through the date possession is delivered to the buyer. Buyer indemnity and seller protection for entry upon the property. Buyers shall keep the property clear of all liens, repair all damage arising from buyer investigations, and indemnify and hold seller harmless from all liability, claims, demands, damages, and costs. Buyers shall require anyone acting on buyer's behalf to carry policies of liability, workers' compensation, and other applicable insurance. Paragraph 13A through G, Title Investing. 13A discusses a preliminary title report and shows what the title insurance company is offering to insure. B states title is taken in its present condition, subject to all encumbrances, easements, covenants, conditions, restrictions, rights, and other matters. C and D talk about seller's responsibilities, and E talks about what happens if the buyer is a legal entity and the property purchase price is over $300,000. F states the buyer shall receive a recorded grant deed or any other conveyance document after close of escrow. Page 10, 13G. 
This paragraph explains the type of title policy you will receive and what happens if the Alta CLTA policy is not available. If you have questions about these policies, I urge you to contact your title and escrow officer with any questions. Paragraph 14A through H. Time periods, removal of contingencies, cancellation of rights. The following time periods may only be extended, altered, modified, or changed by mutual written agreement. Any removal of contingencies or cancellations under this paragraph by either buyer or seller must be exercised in good faith and in writing. 14A. Seller delivery of documents. The seller is required to deliver the required disclosures and information for which seller is responsible as specified in 3N1. B. Buyer review of documents, repair requests, contingency removal, or cancellation. Specifies when the buyer needs to review the documents, when the request for repairs is submitted, and how it is handled in the time frame of which the buyer needs to remove the contingencies, cancel the agreement, or ask for a continuance of contingency. 14C. Seller right to cancel. Covers the seller's right to cancel due to buyer contingencies or if buyer does not perform any of the other buyer contractual obligations. 14D, buyer's right to cancel. Covers the buyer's right to cancel due to the seller not removing contingencies or if the seller does not perform any of the other seller contractual obligations. Page 11, 14E, notice to buyer or seller to perform. Neither the buyer nor seller can cancel the contract until the party choosing to cancel serves the other party a notice to perform no earlier than two days prior to the scheduled performance day to remove contingencies. If the served party performs, the contract cannot be canceled. 14F, effective removal of contingencies. Paragraph 14F, 1 and 2 discuss the effect of the removal to both the buyers and the sellers. G, demand a close escrow. The buyer and seller may cancel this agreement for failure to close escrow pursuant to this agreement, but buyer or seller must first deliver to the other party a demand to close escrow no earlier than three days prior to the scheduled close of escrow. The party has three days after being given the notice to close escrow or the other party may cancel the contract. H. Effects of cancellation on deposit. A party may be subject to a penalty of up to $1,000 for refusal to sign cancellation instructions if no good faith dispute exists. Paragraph 15, Repairs. Repairs shall be completed prior to final verification of condition unless otherwise agreed. It also specifies how repairs shall be performed in a good, skillful manner with material of quality and appearance comparable to the existing material. Paragraph 16, Final Verification of Condition. Buyers shall have the right to make a final verification of the property condition to make sure the property was maintained in the same manner as when you wrote the offer and to ensure all repairs have been completed as agreed and that the seller has complied with seller's other's obligations under this agreement prior to close of escrow. This is not a contingency of the sale. Paragraph 17, Prorations of property taxes and other items. All taxes and other items must be paid current and prorated between the buyer and the seller as of close of escrow. Paragraph 18. Explains how brokers and agents will be paid from the buyers and sellers and discusses what the agents cannot do during the transaction under the scope of duty. Page 12. 
Paragraph 19, Joint Escrow Instructions to Escrow Holder. This agreement constitutes the joint escrow instructions of the buyer and seller to the escrow holder, which gives them mutual instructions to close the escrow and follow the timetables and responsible party for costs involved as set forth in this agreement. Buyer and seller will receive escrow holder's general provisions directly from the escrow holder and shall sign and return escrow general provisions or supplemental documents in a timely manner. Paragraph 20. Selection of service providers. Agents do not guarantee the performance of any vendor's service or product providers. Paragraph 21, multiple listing services, also known as MLS. Agents are authorized to report to the MLS when an offer has been accepted, the close of escrow date, sales price, and other terms of this transaction may also be provided to the MLS and published and cannot be controlled or removed by the seller or agent. Paragraph 22, attorney fees and costs, specifies who may be entitled to reasonable attorney fees and costs. Paragraph 23, assignment. Buyers shall have the right to assign all the buyer's interest in this agreement to buyer's own trust or owned entity of buyer that is in existence at the time of such assignment. Otherwise, buyer may not assign their interest in this agreement without first having obtained the separate written consent of the seller. Paragraph 24, equal housing opportunity. The property is sold in compliance with federal, state, and local anti-discrimination laws. Paragraph 25, A through Q, Definitions and Instructions, defines the words used throughout this agreement and continues on to page 13. Paragraph 26, Terms and Conditions of Offer. By signing the offer or any document in the transaction, the party signing the document is deemed to have read the document in its entirety. All parties are required to initial and sign or counteroffer is required until agreement is reached. Paragraph 27, time of essence, entire contract and changes. Time is of the essence. All understandings of each party are incorporated in this agreement. Its terms are intended by the parties as final, complete, and exclusive expression of their agreement respect to its subject matter and may not be contradicted by evidence of any prior agreement. The agreement nor any provision in it may not be extended, amended, modified, altered, or changed except in writing signed by the buyer and seller. Paragraph 28, Legally Authorized Signer. Whenever the signature or initial of the legally authorized signers identified in paragraph 32 and 33 appear on this agreement or any related document, it shall be deemed to be in a representative capacity in the entity described and not in the individual capacity unless otherwise indicated. The signer also agrees the entity is already in existence in good standing in the state of California at the time of this agreement and will provide any information needed by the escrow holder in a timely manner. Page 14. Paragraph 29, Liquidated Damages. In essence, this paragraph says that if both the buyer and the seller initial this section, the seller is only entitled to keep the actual deposit amount in the event the buyer fails to complete this purchase because of buyer's default. If it is not signed, then the seller has a right to keep up to 3% of the purchase price. Paragraph 30, Mediation states that the parties agree to mediate any dispute or claim arising between them out of this agreement before resorting to arbitration or court action. Paragraph 31. If initialed, states that the parties agree that any dispute or claim in law or equity arising between them out of this agreement or in any resulting transaction which is not settled through mediation shall be decided by neutral binding arbitration. Page 15. Paragraph 32 is all about the buyer. 
It defaults by saying the buyers are buying as individuals, but it also allows you to check a box entitled Entity Buyers. By checking this box, the buyers are saying they are signing in a representative capacity, such as a trustee of a trust or other capacity. They must provide the name of the trust or probate case number or other entity and sign their names with the appropriate title. Likewise, paragraph 33 is all about the seller with the same provisions available regarding if they are selling as entity sellers. They also have the ability to counter the offer or put the buyer in backup position by providing a backup offer addendum. The seller must still initial each page of the contract if they are choosing to counter or place the buyer in backup position. The counter offer will only list the changes not acceptable to the seller. All other items not mentioned in the counter will be considered accepted by the seller. Page 16 will list both the buyer and seller's agent's information as well as acceptable delivery methods. It also has a place for escrow holder to acknowledge receipt of a copy of this contract. When you write an offer on your next home, you will have a better understanding of what you are signing long before needing to rush to sign and quickly submit your offer. Happy house, honey.